Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me More. Uh, I'm back. And this week, we, well, yeah, the best part of it is, no, that we get to talk about the scriptures together and we talk more about the APES, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, how we need them, just the history of the church, um, how it's become what it is and what it needs for the future. So fun conversation. Really glad you're here. And we'll see you in the podcast studio. Okay, well, it's Tell Me More time. Welcome to Look Tell Me us. More. We're here. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Tell Me More. On I, Monday. That was me welcoming the in the video crowd. We're back in the rhythm. Are we? If we keep the rhythm, <laughs> we're back in the rhythm. Uh, yeah, we're beginning a rhythm. So, it's a good day to be uh, podcasting. Yeah, we're actually here on a Monday morning. Look at us. It's Monday, January 22. Look at us. Okay, yesterday, January 21st, Correct. was the boys... One year of their due date. So, you know, as far as milestones go, my, my boys turned one yesterday. Wow. But they actually turned 1.2 or something. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were born quite early. They yeah. showed up a little early, early, didn't they? They did. But anyway, you know, January 21 has kind of has a marker, a marker in my mind because mm. of that. So, happy due date birthday, boys. <laughs> but also, I'm excited to be here. Last week was a mess. I wasn't on the podcast. Had somebody ask me about that. Uh, the weather was crazy, and then we finally got back in a rhythm where I could come to work with kids, and Ben fell off the changing table, and we had to take him to urgent care. Oh, my goodness. Parenting so, is super fun. Parenting is a great joy and a great inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Any parent listening can yes. probably agree with yes. that. So, yes. But I'm, so I'm super glad to be, like, potentially cross your fingers here all week. A full week of work is a Boom. fun thing for me. Mm. Okay. Okay. There's much to talk about. We do. We have a lot to talk about. You had a question well, you I wanted did. to raise. I did, and I will. Um, so when I was listening to the sermon, and even before when I saw the title of it, uh, Dr. Wells, you talked about Jesus being competent. He's mm-hmm. a competent person. Right. And what, what I thought about in my question is, you know, I did go to seminary, although it's becoming a decade ago, decade plus. Anyway, competent is not a word I remember learning about Jesus in terms of like a theological classroom setting, the right. competency of Jesus, mm-hmm. where we do talk about things like the sufficiency of Jesus mm-hmm. or even even sometimes the perfection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But so where'd that come from? What were you hoping to do with it? Mm-hmm. Did you make up a <laughs> kind of classroom term? <laughs> or did I just forget? Yeah. No, I mean, it's not, it, it, it would not be a word that you would classically use in a systematic theology class. I think that's what I was trying to yeah. get at. You worded that better than I did. Correct. You wouldn't. Um, no. However. Doesn't mean you can't use it. That's right. But uh-huh. where did it come from and that's what do we right. need to know? In the spirit of the Greek fathers, we can create words <laughs> to communicate what we believe about Christ. Um, and I think that really the aim to me when it, for Sunday morning was our understanding of the nature of the church and how Christ has gifted the church so that it might fulfill its mission in the world. Mm. And so you could ask the question, well, if you have this huge responsibility, the mission of God, and you've got these assignments and responsibilities, I I I enumerated several of them Sunday morning, Mm -hmm. just based on what Jesus has said. Mm -hmm. Things like forgiving sin, in other words, proclaiming redemption and Mm -hmm. freedom, or uh, from sinfulness, or mm-hmm. the spiritual power of unlocking the, the forces of good on this earth, the, the mm-hmm. keys to the kingdom of heaven, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, because um, Jesus did and declared some of these things. Right. These he's now empowered Jesus us. Said. That's right. So the question is, okay, those things. is the church competent enough 
to do that mm-hmm. in every era? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it's a legitimate question. Are we able? Right. Can we really and do so, it? To me. And your answer to that is? Well, yes, because our Lord is competent. Because Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so he's good. fully competent. Mm-hmm. And all of the, the gifts and the skills, if you want to call them that, um, necessary for Jesus to accomplish his mission on this earth were present in him, in his personhood and in his work. And so <clears throat> it felt appropriate to me to apply that word to him, mm-hmm. that he's mm-hmm. fully competent. Yeah. And we're now his body on this earth, and so we can be mm-hmm. competent. So the point of talking about Jesus's competency and mm-hmm. highlighting that mm-hmm. is to make the congregation believe that you're actually equipped That's with what you need. Mm-hmm. But which is a good word. I mean, it is, even but just to that. Me, we're, right? But you tie the competency of the church into this partnership between us and our Lord. Mm-hmm. We're not competent on our own. Because we can think about that, and I don't want to hijack where you want to go because we have a lot to talk about, but. We are talking before we recorded. I mean, I, we can think about that, what Jesus has done f- for us, what mm-hmm. Jesus has done, and mm-hmm. how that helps us. We mm-hmm. can think about it in only salvific terms mm-hmm. right. of our eternal salvation. Yeah, which would be reductionism. That's what I think. Yeah, you would, you would reduce the, the grand scale of the kingdom of God overwhelming the forces of evil to just the salvific what happens when work we die of Christ. That's right. And, and it leaves so, a lot right. to be absolutely desired. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah, that we can be a part of, of and today. Yes. And we're competent and mm-hmm. able, but only because of mm-hmm. Jesus. That's right. So the you know, the the fulfilling the mission of God, well that is I mean, that is a massive responsibility. Because we're the only entity on earth given that responsibility. Yeah. Mm. You know, and everything that's an offshoot from us is connected to that. But the church is 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 the nerve center of that. The church is the heart right. mm-hmm. of the mission of God. Mm-hmm. I think mm. I think about it like this. Dallas Willard, who I cite a lot, talks about how Jesus is the smartest person who ever lived. And so if you think about, you know, the church is instituted by Christ, you reference that in Matthew. Christ brings a church into being and Christ smartest, most competent person who ever lived. We are the body of Christ and we are constituted together by the spirit of God who not only dwells in us as individuals following Christ, but also collectively as a communal body. And so Jesus, Jesus's competence carries through to the church, to the individual members of the church, but to the church collectively as well through the spirit of God at work. In our lives, that's how I that's how I think about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I and I think the word competent is a good word for us to just gather around as a church because you know we've got a huge responsibility. We're we're the agents of of God on this planet, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to be uh, establishing along with Him, obviously, the kingdom of God on this earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, that requires a certain level of competency. It's just it's yeah. not just going to happen. We have to figure out how to do it. And so mm-hmm. that's why I just wanted to point out Sunday morning, when you look at all the things that Jesus did, um, you know, every situation that he encountered, he was perfectly competent for it. He, mm-hmm. he knew exactly what to do. Not everybody else did. You know, you've got a, a woman who says, okay, I'm going to seize this moment and I'm going to take the most expensive thing our family has, and I'm going to go ahead and just give it to Jesus. I'm just going to anoint him with this pure nard. Mm. And she does it, and Jesus receives it. 
when you have people saying, wait a minute, you can't, you can't be, you can't mm-hmm. be wasting that. Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing? And Jesus says, don't you know, she's anointing my body for what's about to happen. And mm. people will be talking about her from now on mm. because of what she's done. I mean, mm-hmm. just perfectly competent in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, or, you know, questions being posed. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? You know, and Jesus says, hmm. You got you got some of his followers who are railing against Rome, you know, and 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 it's chafing their neck a little bit, you know. And Jesus says, "Well, let, let me have one of the coins, you know." And and of course, Caesar is going to have his his um, image on coins. And Jesus says, "Well, who, whose image is on that?" Well, Caesar. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then go ahead and give to Caesar what's Caesar. But you be sure you give to God what's God's. Mm-hmm. I, I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At, at every point, yeah. you know, he's Jesus just good just, in the moment. Just isn't he? so good, and yeah. and just knew what to do, knew how to treat people, knew when to confront, you know, knew when to listen, knew how to answer hard questions. Um, and to me, the Spirit of God was at work in the ministry of Christ, mm-hmm. you know. And so now here we are, and we're encountering these moments. You know, so what do we do with these moments? How do we extend the kingdom? How do we bring light and hope into a world that's as confused and chaotic as it was in the first century? Right. Part of our responsibility. Mm. And so to me, the way we do that is live fully into the competencies that Christ himself has made available to us. You know, so and and that's exactly what Paul says. He's the one who's done it. I think that's a great word, and we're gonna talk about this. This whole podcast about this apes thing, but just in general, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, apostles, yeah, prophets, along. evangelists, mm-hmm. shepherds, and teachers. Mm-hmm. And if you listened yesterday, you would have known that. <laughs> I'm just covering our bases, but we don't want to make assumptions because that right. makes mm-hmm. our people mm-hmm. makes our people feel awkward. It makes mm-hmm. us look bad. So I appreciate that. Always look, um, but I think in general, we, but we're going to get into specifics with apest, mm-hmm. yes, which is apostles. Prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. But in general, I think if you're listening or driving down the road and listening to us or sitting at home watching this, I just think the the, the conversation about Jesus is and was was as a person is reigning competent. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel competent, and you're like, this ain't for me, or I can't do that, or whatever you're about to ask of me, I, I am not. I mean, I feel incompetent as a person. Right. I think we get to say, well, you are as a you know you you on your own. Yeah. I wouldn't trust you with. Anything. Right. But the good news is, and maybe you need to explore that in your own spirit and your own devotional life and just your own spiritual reality is that through Christ, you are a competent Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. and he's equipping Mm -hmm. you and giving you what you need to be the person that God Mm -hmm. needs you to be in this world. And that's what the APES helps us with. the body of Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You're not, you're not Jesus on your own out there, just, you know, guns a blazing, but together we make Mm -hmm. up. The body of Jesus. Yeah, or um, if you, or if yeah. you think you are completely competent without Christ, well, I've got news for you. You're not. Yeah, and and I think life will show you that, right? <laughs> yeah. You can only get so far. Your you can life's get a humbling sport, and some people can get quite far mm-hmm. with that, but you can only get so far mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. you realize that without Christ, That's right? So that, I think you're unable. Transitions us into our next question. So, you know, we we know that we need to be competent. Mm-hmm. We know that that's carried through. Uh, these gifts of Christ, which are bestowed 
by Christ through the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in us as individuals, but more importantly, collectively as a church. Mm-hmm. You talked about cessationism yesterday, and I don't know that we need to get into the full history of cessationism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that you could, since your PhD is in American <laughs> Christianity. And, it, and this is Tell Me More, so <laughs> and this every is once in a while we, we dig deep. My, my well, two cents well, are. But people love that. But people love that. I'm not saying we should today. I'm not saying we should today, but I'll say... I've already throw, shown my hand. It's something that a PhD in American Christianity would know about. I'm generally not a fan of new theological beliefs, meaning right. like developed in the last 200 years. Right. So mm-hmm. there's Take my that hand. for what it is. Right, right, right. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You patristic person. I will say, though, in general, the podcast that I think, man, Dr. Wells, you've really gone on a deep dive. We're going to lose them. Are the ones that people come up okay. on Sunday morning. So, and they're like, I shared it with my sister in Alaska because she's always wondering about it. And I'm like, this is Well, maybe we should do a little no, bit I don't mean it like that, of an explanation. Every time I think, well, yeah. we don't need to go that far. He goes that far and they love it. Go that far. <laughs> You're not here next week. You got to make up for Ooh, it. Oh, yeah. Right. Hit us with cessationalism. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, context, um, it, 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 Matters. It dictates so much to people. It just does, and whether you want to admit it or not. And so when when you when you have folks who are nervous about um, uh, things being abused and folks going overboard and um, taking advantage, if you will, and when you come across uh, things in the scripture that are uncomfortable to you because you just don't know what to do with them, you don't know how to manage the abuses or the excesses of them. Hmm. That's that can be somewhat challenging. And so um when when you start trying to evaluate how is the church going to be gifted and structured for all time? What what I would say is if you're looking for structure in the New Testament for how a church is supposed to be organized itself, which we do look to the New Testament for guidance, obviously. But if you're going to try to find the best structure for for the church to fit any era, you're going to be hard-pressed with just the New Testament Mm -hmm. because the New Testament doesn't answer some of the questions that we deal with in in our modern expression of church. Um, And so, for example, should the church be lay-led? In other words, should you have Mm -hmm. committees and gifted people who are serving alongside the ministers? Mm -hmm. That's an argument. That's kind of the has historically been the Baptist way to do things. Church governance is more in the hands of the congregation. Um, and you have texts where you can point to that. You know, you're in the book of Acts uh, in Antioch, and the people are gathered together, and they're worshiping, and they're fasting, and they're praying, and the Spirit of God says to them, give me Saul and Barnabas. And so the congregation of believers together wasn't like the whoever the pastor supposedly was of the church at Antioch. It's not like he came in one day and said, hey, y'all, we're getting ready to launch a a missionary movement, and here's how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. We're going to anoint Saul and Barnabas, and they're going to be our first missionaries. That's not what the text says. It It was a community expression, and the people of God responded, and they laid hands on them, and they released them as a body. So there seems to be evidence that the Spirit of God was working among them. But if you ask, well, then how do you become a Christian? What does it really mean in that first century to say, okay, this person is a believer, this person is not a believer? Well, you have a council that convenes in in um, Jerusalem in Acts fifteen, and it wasn't a lay led council. It was the it was the it was comprised of the apostles and James, the half brother of Jesus, the and and, and Paul, a who's and, who, yeah, of, of the New Testament. Yeah, these are the, the leaders of the church, and they 
pray and listen. And finally, James says, okay, here's how it's going to go. And so he, he writes down, this is what is going to happen. That then is distributed to the churches. And that's what they do. Okay. Well, that sounds like a centralized, more theologically authoritative approach. But the text is not really the the, the it's not really addressing um, to me governance and structure. It's just telling us what happened, you know. So if you're looking for structure, descriptive, not necessarily prescriptive. Correct. But then, but if you want to ask the question about functionality, well, that's a different question to me. Functionally, how's the church going to work? Well, it's going to work through gifted people. Mm. You know, that's how it's going to work. Mm. Now, you may quibble about the structure, and the structure may change over time because of the demands of the generation in which the church is in or how the church has to um, adapt. But the functionality of it, though, seems to be more connected to the giftedness of the people of God. So you've got overseers, and you have deacons and deaconesses and prophets and prophetesses, and you have apostles, and you have pastors and teachers and evangelists. And so those are listed in the Scripture. And then beyond that, you have the spiritual gifting of people within the body. Of, and, and you have these lists. You know, they're administrators, or maybe they're, they're, they're generous, or maybe they have the gift of faith, or the gift of healing, or the gift of tongues, and so, or the gift of interpretation of tongues. So you start looking at all of that. And then you start asking the question, well, as time evolves and circumstances change and context changes, how much of all that is still at play? How much of all that do you still need? So the questions arose around, okay, let's talk about the, let's talk about the revelation of God. Has God chosen to reveal himself? Well, in, in Paul's day, there is no question you would have, you would have listened to the voice of a prophet. Hmm. You know, church in Antioch did. Agabus hmm. came down and said, hey, you know, there's going to be a famine in Jerusalem, Judea. The church at Antioch said, okay. You know, mm-hmm. This was to them a word from God about something they needed to do. So they took up a collection and had it sent um, you know, to, to Judea. Um, so you had these gifted people playing these various roles. Well, over time, you, know, you get to where the church does take on a greater structure, okay? uh, particularly as you make your way through you know, the three three or four hundred years after Christ, um, and the church starts having more of a centralized structure. That means that theology now becomes more normalized, if you will, and and the actual functionality of the church begins to take shape. And the question is, okay, well then all these gifted people, all these roles and functions that are kind of laid out in the first century, how many of them are still needed? That, That became a core question. And over time, you had a theology group of theologians, um, and particularly as you get to the more modern era, who said, well, there's really no need any longer for fill in the blank. Hmm. There's just no need for it anymore. But we now have the Scripture. Hmm. We've, got, we've got theological councils. We've got settled questions, okay? So hmm. why do we need X? And so there arose this theory of, well, actually, some of those in terms of their function in the church, the need for those has ceased to exist. So you don't really need prophets anymore. You've got the Scripture. You don't really need apostles anymore. And maybe maybe if you get technical, it was really just a first century phenomenon to begin with. And so 
not only do we not need them, we don't have them. Mm -hmm. And and you've got the you've God speaking through these people within the body, and they're they're speaking in this unintelligible language. Well, why do you need that anymore? You know, you've got a clear word from God with the Scripture. And so there arose this argument that those gifts began to the need for them has ceased to exist. And so an entire theology of cessationism that these gifts are no longer valid, these people even are no longer in the body. And this is cessationism with a C, not the thing that Texans think they can pull off. Yeah, correct. Yeah, okay. right, right. Sorry. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, not, not That's correct. This We're is not seceding. This is right. ceasing. Ceasing to exist. Good. Good. Well, <clears throat> so take that idea and read Ephesians 4. And you have verse 11 of Ephesians 4. Christ gave himself, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors. Now, the last one's a little dicey because some people put pastors and teachers together. And they say, you know, the Greek grammar, that's just one person. Hmm. The pastor teacher. Correct. <clears throat> so The Dennis Wiles. Yeah. So, but, well, from the cessationist point of view, you have those who argue, hmm, okay, so Christ gave that to the church. But functionally, you really no longer need the first two. There's, there's, not, there's not a need for the apostles anymore. Or if you're looking at it literally, they don't exist. And the apostles have all died anyway. Right. And you certainly don't need prophets. Here's the problem with that line of thinking, though, in my opinion, from a theological perspective. And, and those who take this view admit this. There is nowhere in the Scripture where there's precedent for, in the New Testament, the cessation of any set of gifts. Hmm. There's no indicator, right? I would also add, yeah. from a missiological perspective, I think the scriptural evidence is the best piece of evidence. Mm -hmm. Missiologically, though, I think what you've said, they no longer felt the need. That's right. So if you were to go to a pre-Christian environment mm -hmm. like we do in West Africa, you're going to find that the gifts of prophecy are alive and well. Yes. And mm -hmm. actually are needed in the mm -hmm. function and ministry of the mm -hmm. church in those places. Sure. So it's... Mm -hmm. There was no longer a felt need. Right. Right. But of course that makes sense in Christendom where either in Europe you had a state church, so you don't need people to extend the church because the government's done it for That's you. Right. You don't need prophets because you don't want them challenging the state church. That's right. Or in America where church was a societal norm, mm -hmm. even if it wasn't endorsed yeah. by the state necessarily. In certain contexts, though, you could look around and say, we don't need it anymore. Right. Yeah. But it might be a little bit short-sighted. And then on top of that, you have those who kind of embrace that view, and then they will point you to what they believe are the excesses in the life of the church that has led to detrimental behavior, and they will point you to those kinds of gifts being abused and say, well, there you go. Look at this charismatic movement that's kind of gone off the deep end, and now they're teaching you that you have to speak in tongues or you don't have the Holy Spirit. Well, that's just, that's just poor theology. It's an aberration of theology. And that's exhibit A. Or you've got these, these men who stand up and say, I'm an apostle. And they abuse that position. Or, um, you know, I'm a prophet. And they abuse that position. So you have these excesses. And once again, it, it, what that does is it's fodder for the cessationists who say, well, there you go. You know, um, this, this was even a struggle in the first century. You had guys like Simon the Sorcerer and others who said, give me some of that. <laughs> you know, I wanna, I'm, I'm watching you. Let me have some of that. Um, well, miracles, you know, those kinds of gifts. So um, 
like I said, context is important. So if you're at a place in the life of the church and your particular context is, you just don't see the need for it, it's easy to discount it. But I would just remind us all, I'm theologically, I don't see the case biblically to make the authoritative statement that these particular gifts uh, are no longer needed. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't find that taught in the Scripture. Also, I don't know that abuses of any certain gift is justification for dismissing it. Mm. Um, but thirdly, I'm a part of the global church. And so you're exactly right, Luke. I've been, I've been across the world, and I've seen the church on the edges on the frontier, if you will, on the, on the, where the, it's just the tip of the sword. And y'all, it's just, just um, it's supernatural. It's, uh, it's, it's miraculous. Um, uh, it's, um, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I was in a meeting. I've shared this story before. I was in a meeting with Bill O'Brien and Bill had just come from a meeting with a group of pastors in in um, um, East Asia, and he, I mean, he had just been in the U.S. for a day or two, so he was still jet lagging. And we were just we were in this meeting together talking about our, our missions. And Bill, he's he's one of the men who influenced my missiology. And Bill just said, "Y'all, come on, we got to trust the Spirit of God. We got to make sure that we let the Spirit of God, the wind and the Spirit of God, blow. We can't we can't we can't just overstructure everything." He was lecturing us about our initial thoughts about GCPN and Restore Hope, which it would originally be called. He said, I just came from this meeting with these East Asians, and I was just reminded that what God's doing on the, on the, on the um, edge of, of the gospel and in these pioneering places. And he said, we're sitting in this meeting with this group of pastors, and one of the pastors, somebody comes in and says something to him, hands him a note, and looks at the note, and he stands up and he says, I'm sorry, I've got to leave. We've had a man in our village who's just died and I need to go back because we need him. He's a crucial part of what we're doing, and I've got to go back and raise him from the dead. And I only have a window of time. I've learned the Lord will only work within a certain window of time, or once it's over, we can't get him back. And he said, I've got to go right now. And the guy leaves, and Bill O'Brien said, I'm sitting there thinking, you're, gonna, mm-hmm. you're, you're thinking yeah. you're going to go raise this guy from the dead. And then they get the message a day later that, that's, that's exactly what happened. The <laughs> yeah. guy got there in time and raised this yeah. guy from the dead. And Bill said, it just reminded me, here I am, so provincial in my theology, you know, so educated. And I had to be reminded, the people of God right now and these on the edges of the gospel, they're witnessing things that to them are normative. Right. You know, and it reminds us that the scripture is applicable at, for all times all over the world. So don't be so quick to be dismissive. And so... Yeah. Now, with that said, theologically, there is no question for me. I am not a cessationist. No, you've made a good case for that. I'm not. Right yes. here and now. Yeah. However. Practically, though. Okay, I've been doing this a long time. I, I think I told you all this year, this was my 40th Christmas season mm. in leading a church. Yeah, in senior okay. pastoring. That's correct. Yeah. Longer than you both have been alive. Truth. Okay. Much longer. My gosh. Yes. So, so, um, so think about I'm, that. I'm pushing it. Okay. <laughs> Well, I would have to be honest enough to say that over these past 40 years as a pastor, um, I have not given enough thought to, enough room for apostolic ministry. I haven't talked about it that way, even though I've engaged in it myself. 
and I've participated in it without question. And it's even been alive in me, but I've always been reluctant to call it that because I always felt like it would not be well received and I hadn't given it enough thought theologically and practically. Um, the prophet as well. Um, I've just not given much credibility to it, you know, and room for it to be operative, even though I've experienced it and seen it and witnessed it. And so over the last couple of years in particular, the Lord has just convicted me about that, that it's not my prerogative to ride herd over the giftedness of, of Christ in the church. It's just not my prerogative. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be shepherding it and helping it be a reality in healthy ways. And so um, about that time, you know, there's a movement, if you will, in, in modern evangelicalism, modern Christianity, toward recapturing the giftedness of the church from a more holistic perspective and allow the giftedness of the church to function in a healthy way within congregations, realizing that sometimes these gifts um, can be even more prominent in the parachurch organizations. I understand that. But that doesn't discount their role within the church, though. Hmm. And so I'm just kind of We'd be missing out, I think. Yeah, I think so. To leave it to parachurch. Correct. So, but but I would, I think I'm honest enough to to say that we have outsourced the apostolic voices often to our parachurch organizations, Hmm. um, you know, for whatever reason. And Mm -hmm. so some of them prove to be more nimble, a little more more quick, if you will, more innovative. Uh And then we tend to follow them. Whereas what I would say is we need to bring that underneath the life of the church mm. and figure out how to do that. Particularly so, in this new era. I think about uh, the last hundred years of Western mm-hmm. ministry that right. I'm exposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like BSM, you know, campus ministry right. had kind of popped up. And mm-hmm. they sometimes get more of our pioneering apostolic personalities. Well, you know, our, the seminary grads that are more, yeah, more ape-y. You mentioned that yesterday, the apostles, prophets, evangelists. Yeah. The apes. Sometimes they can't... Um, <laughs> can't or won't, I should probably say won't, hang in a more established church Mm -hmm. for too long because we just frustrate them Mm -hmm. with our slow movement and our cautious Mm -hmm. decision making. Mm -hmm. And they want to go and do and save the world. And so often they have landed better in what I'm most familiar with is BSM, Baptist Student Ministry, just because I came out of that, Mm -hmm. not because I'm an ape. I'm probably the exception to the rule there. And I found my way into church Mm -hmm. life. But we miss out as a church if we can't make room for and listen to. Correct. And give seat to, you know, seat at the table to these APEs in our life. And, and there's nothing wrong with the fact that, you know, in the life of the church, <clears throat> the, the you know, institutional church, local church, um, there, there's nothing wrong with the fact that you're going to have shepherds that are going to be caring for the people, and you're going to have the, you know, if it's a Protestant church. Please keep doing church, that if you were a shepherd. Yeah, Please you, do. Yeah, you're, you're going to shepherd. You're going to teach the Bible in, in a Protestant congregation. We just are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is not. Well, not just because I am right. literally the care pastor at our church, yeah. but this isn't really a call to get rid of those no, players. not at all. But it's to yeah. balance the table, Correct. right? Because if that's all you have, yeah, then we've been you there. We know so that informationally driven mm-hmm. and so concerned about well-being that you're never going to take risks. You're never going to respond to that mm-hmm. pioneering spirit. Yeah. yeah, that to me is it's kind of like the it feeds the church. It's kind of like the um, when you take that. The, the 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 map of of the Holy Land, and you've got the, all these tributaries and rivers feeding into the Sea of Galilee, and then flowing out of the Sea of Galilee, you've got the Jordan River, 
And there's and, and when you go to the Sea of Galilee, which I've been to, it's teeming with life. It's it just, just, just it mm-hmm. feeds an entire community. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you still Vital. have all these fishing yeah. villages and life mm-hmm. all around the Sea of Galilee. And then you go down yeah, and you to cruise the Dead down. Sea, and the Dead Sea has no outlet. The Dead Sea has no pioneering yeah. spirit. And the only outpost there is for yeah. tourism. That's right. I so mean, it's nothing. Just go stare at it. And that's why they call yeah. it dead. Well. Think about it. So, yeah, it's like, think about what do it. We want to be a car, church. Car driver, we want to be a listener, watcher. Church. Well, that means we got to have some prophetic, yeah. apostolic, evangelistic edges to us. Yeah. As I'm sitting and listening, there are a few things that Hit come us with to it. mind. <laughs> you uh, thought about this before? Just maybe once or okay. twice. I mean, give us, yeah. I've never I don't want to put you on the spot, my life. but. Um, <laughs> But Full if disclosure some, as someone who this is probably strongly leans into the world. apostolic side of this. Um, yeah, Luke's an A. Luke's an A plus in my itchy. book. I get in itchy. my book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you can it. get irritated by us and we can get irritated by you. Correct. That's we the try role. not to we try not to live there. Oh no, but uh, that's that's the yeah, I can phrase that more positively, mm-hmm. but that can you know, Yeah. So when yeah. I if you were here and if you have were not here, I'd encourage you, I don't know what day this was, the famous whiteboard sermon. Mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. when it was an advent, Doctor Dennis November, Miles I guess? busted out <laughs> the whiteboard, and he, you drew yeah. this kind of arrow of directionality of how in the West, uh, particular, particularly in Christendom, in this era where Christian culture kind of dominated, we operated with this worship first, teaching first model. Correct. Where yeah, people mm-hmm. that got introduced, we to want the to reach people. We're going to build a church, yeah. and we will teach them, and we'll shape them, mm-hmm. and then they'll find community and belonging, and then we'll send them out on mission. Yeah, mm-hmm. and curious con- uh, community members, curious yeah. community members might find us through coming to our worship service. That's right. That'd and be so, like step one. And right? that's, a, that's a model that has dominated in the West for a long time. And so you can see that through our various church plants around yeah. town. New mm-hmm. neighborhood pops up. Let's let's plant a church over there. That's right. But if we you kind know. of look at how that's projected out throughout the entire West, I think about the UK. The UK operated on that model for centuries. They perfected it before mm-hmm. America even came into life. Right. Um, I mean, now in the UK, there's no one in church. That's right. Uh, except immigrant populations. And so what's interesting is you had this model where you built this institution, which we could kind of say are the shepherds and teachers. It's a good institution. I want to have it. I want to be cared for and I want to be taught well. Mm-hmm. But they lost that apostolic edge, A, because in the UK you could enforce church attendance through the state. That's, That's part right. of it. Mm-hmm. But now what's interesting is when I think about the state of the church in the UK and the people who are a part of it, Every Christian I know in the UK is either apostolic, prophetic, or evangelistic. That's how uh, they're finding their way. And so the the growing church in the UK is highly apostolic. and mm-hmm. It innovates, it pioneers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask, what do you mean by apostolic? I mean, like, you know? they're meeting in pubs. They're playing Johnny Cash songs on two-by-fours. Some of it, I even, I'm like, I don't know about this. Right. Yeah, but um, they're trying new things. But they're trying new things. And they're where the people the are. They're right? where the people yeah. are. Mm-hmm. And then... I know so many people who are prophetic, who are Christians in the UK. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you mean by that? They it's are in the modern world, deeply you know? attuned to just what God is doing and have such mm-hmm. a rich interior life of prayer yeah. that when they come up to someone, and this has happened to me, and they say, I think God is saying this, there's just a gravity to it that I know they're not trying to manipulate me, and that's right. not just coming from them, and it resonates in a way that it's not just mm-hmm. a person speaking to me. There is something deeper happening in their spiritual life. And when they say, I think God is saying this, and there's typically a good humility about it. Humility mm-hmm. about yeah, it. That's a mature, mature prophet. Prophetic right. people. Yeah. 
Because they're immature prophets. There are, and they say, well, God told me, and you need to do this. Right. That's immaturity. Right. I think a humble one. Of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mature one comes with humility. Mm -hmm. and says, I think just sure. might be what God is saying. Mm -hmm. And there's a gravity to it. Well, and there's community. There's probably someone alongside them, whether that's the person yeah. they're speaking to or someone else that can confirm and affirm yeah. what they're saying. Right? And then you have evangelists. So the UK And those church, people? They are just out there talking about Jesus. Yeah, mm -hmm. bringing people in. Uh, yeah. And connecting them to the community. So... Mm -hmm. The modern UK church, whereas in history, I think we think of this staid, stoic, very mm -hmm. institutional model. Exactly. Now it's moved into this kind of more wild APE, and it'll eventually resettle. There are definitely shepherds and teachers, good shepherds and teachers yeah, in the UK. Of course. But I, I would say, so for us, what does this mean for us? Well, okay, as we have been begin exploring this, talking about it, um... Um, we had several of our staff attend a, a conference on APEST, um, you two and others. Mm -hmm. Ashley and Kurt. Um, I was we have been person. reading some mm -hmm. material, studying. We then, um, there's actually a, a test. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's not like this came down off of Mount Sinai. Can I peel the layers back even a little yeah. further? We yeah. come back from this conference pretty excited by what we've been reading. You've mm -hmm. come back from your summer leave. That's right. And we don't know what your theme is, yeah. but we are pretty excited about this. I think you and Kurt have a conversation. We realize, well, actually, you've been led to Ephesians chapter 4. Correct. And we've yeah, been led. Particularly Ephesians. Mm -hmm. Dr. We have encountered this. Yeah. Correct. Um, and but just you the think, way that, huh, that Our worlds hmm. collided. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. probably just coincidence. I mean. <laughs> but so. There's nothing deeper going stuff on happens. there. Yeah. So the Lord's I'm leading me. The Lord's leading our team. So we feel like it has some substance okay. to it. So we need to explore this more fully. Matter. So, so we, um, we, as a staff, just for you as church members to know, we, we've taken a test um, to look at proclivities and propensities mm. and things that connect to these five different functions in the life of a church, these five different kinds of people. And we've been able now to at least look at one another. We have a little booklet that has everybody's picture in it on the, the on ministerial, ministerial team of our church. Yeah. And what their primary sense of gifting is with regard to APEST. And it's been very informative and insightful. And Helpful. so now what will begin to emerge is us trying to figure out how does that work itself out in the ministry life of the church? Mm -hmm. And how do we um, um, function in such a way that we allow that apostolic edge, that prophetic edge, that evangel evangelistic edge feed more into the mainstream of who our church is mm -hmm. while we are shepherding that and providing the proper instruction for everybody to understand it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where we are as a church. Yeah. And I would say I'm very excited about it. Mm -hmm. I believe God's hand is on it. And the reason I do is because I just think it's biblical. You know, it's, 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 it's what Jesus has given to us. And it's what this new era needs. Yeah. And, it, and it has to do with competency. We probably always needed it, but this new era yeah, in front of us certainly so. needs it. So, um, yeah. So I would just say, stay tuned. That's probably what I'd say yeah. about this. Yeah, we haven't year. figured it all out. No. And a note to the listener, I'm worried that you said take, you, we took a test. So yeah. I know if I was listening to this podcast, I would go out and Google yeah. free APES test. Right. Yeah. If you yeah, were tempted do to, do, to do that, yeah. actually just email me because there's some yeah. that will spam you mercilessly. Oh, yeah. yeah that's true. We have, they're like everything. I have vetted yeah. some of them. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. so we have some decent reach ones. Out if you would like that. And it's more than that. It's an exploration of the scripture. It's an analysis, like what I'm doing right now, I'm analyzing how this played out in the life of the church. Um, you know, over the last couple of months, I'm, I mean, I'm about to go to Rome this week, but I've spent some time just reacquainting myself with the functionality of the church throughout its history and how it's organized itself numerous times for different eras. 
and uh, and so uh, I'm 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 doing kind of an historical analysis as well as a biblical analysis of how I think this plays out, and then how do we live that out in the context of our church? So it's a very holistic enterprise, and I'm I'm really leaning into it, and and so trying to address it some on Sunday morning to let our people yeah. in on the yeah. conversation that we're having. So yeah, we want pretty our excited about it. Invested people That's to right. come along with us, right? Yeah. And use their giftedness mm-hmm. we so, so we can be the church. Because the giftings are beyond these. That's why you have yeah. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. You have other places mm-hmm. in, the, in the Scripture mm-hmm. where uh, Paul talks about the fuller body of Christ. Okay? Not everybody is, these are some, not everybody's going to be an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist, whatever. But you're going to feed into the overall life and health of the church with what God's given you as a, as a believer Grace has been given to all of us, and it's all together is how we attain the maturity and the fullness of, of God um, in, we, our, in our church. We need each other. And that's other. how we become the dream team. Yeah. Mm. Yes. You know? We need uh, each competency other. rooted in the giftedness of the Spirit and then our ability to partner with Him and our desire to partner with Him to help grow and perfect, if you will, and mature that own calling within ourselves. So it's a beautiful thing. I'm excited about it. Mm. Looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So stay tuned. Stay Great. tuned. Love it. Mm-hmm. Dr. Wells, have mm-hmm. fun in Rome. I will. I hope it's meaningful for our church members. Mm-hmm. It always, I mean, everyone who goes and comes back. Mm-hmm. Well, one, everyone who goes does come back. So let's start <laughs> so with that. Far. So but far. those who come back from that trip to a person always just talk about how meaningful it is. Mm-hmm. Not just fun, but formative. And so mm-hmm. I pray that for our people. But for you and Cindy, we mm-hmm. all know you all have had a, mm-hmm. a, a, a different year. Mm-hmm. And so I pray that it's Correct. good and restful and fun for y'all. Thank you. And of course, Kurt and Kim, whom we love. And Kurt Kurt works tirelessly for he this does. church. He does. And this is sometimes one of their, and there are a few bright spots with Florida and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And those that are friends with them know that. But this, I pray for them too, that this is fun, Good trip. restful, and that our friend Kurt comes back energized. And so. we'll be here next week. Maybe I'm with not someone going else. Anywhere. No, we should. It'd be fun. It'd be a good opportunity. So we'll get we'll get creative. Stay tuned for the secret surprise guest. See you next, next week. week. Amen. <laughs>